Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. It's summertime, and so I was kind of praying this week about the message and, and where the Lord had us, and you know, I was kind of moving through maybe what we've been talking about and stuff like that, but I felt really impressed about the importance of this season, yeah? And um, everything really slows down um, in the, obviously, schools out in the church world, you know, and, and the business world. And it's actually kind of cool because it's a good time to rest. It's a good time. Everybody takes their vacations. A lot of people do, and, and things are just a little bit different. Um, but it's such a sweet time for those who are practicing that Christian walk of following the shepherd, the Matthew 6, 33, that Luke 12, 31, that seek first the kingdom above all things and all that which you need will be added unto you. And, um, you know, there's, there's something to valuing the moment. And even though our culture seems to kind of slow down, um, there's, there's something of that truth and that reality of the Hebrews 11, 6, about seeking the Lord by faith, but that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You know, there's, there's a reward. There's this, there's this connection that God desires for all of us to have in him and with him all the time. And um, he has so much goodness in store for us um, for those who simply choose to connect to him. Even when our schedules seem to be changing and, and the, the climate or atmosphere of the world, you know, the pace kind of slows down having the mentality to truly connect to him it's like he leaves so much treasure in our lives the treasure of promotion to those who are seeking and following him and it's a beautiful thing there's a scripture in ephesians 5 15 it says see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time for the days are evil and um there's something to this to this mentality this christian mentality that's not based in works but this this aspect of redeeming the time. Even when we are in a place of rest, literally, seasonally, you know, but redeeming the time, in other words, understanding that outside of the eternal realm, this temporary place that we have, this breath that is life, there is so much opportunity constantly for us in every circle that we find ourselves in. And there's, so, there's something so important to living this life faithfully in Him, but also with our eyes opened. Like it says there, you know, walking um, circumspectly or upright with your heads. You know, that Psalm 24, you know, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and the King of glory will come in. With this mentality, this heavenly vision, this heavenly perspective in our life that causes heaven to be coming and going in and through us on the earth as it is in heaven. The very mandate that we've been called to. And... Um, I was, I was thinking about this and I was, I was contemplating this thing and um, I, I started to think of the brilliant and beautiful and wonderful thoughts, intentions, and plans of God for His people. You know, As I was just connecting to the Lord on behalf of our body um, and those who listen to this, of just like, man, the, the, the incredible things that He has for us to step into and sometimes we shortchange those things. Obviously, poor theology, that bipolar Godhead and, and, you know, that kind of thing really shortchanges it. It sabotages it. But also, sometimes we limit God in the goodness. And um, what is the, we call it the refrigerator scripture. 
It's very popular, the Jeremiah 29, 11. God saying, I actually know the thoughts and plans and purposes that I have for you. They're full of hope and for a future. And it's, it's this story in Jeremiah. Um, yeah, it's taken out of context a lot probably. But it's the heart of God manifesting to his people like the fact that he has to say, hey, I know these plans. To them in that period of time means like, yo, you actually don't know how good and hopeful the future is that I have forecasted for you. But if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me and you'll step into those plans and purposes. You think of like, it's, it's kind of simple, but you know, you hear the things like, you know, receive a prophet in the name of a prophet and you receive the prophet's reward. And usually that kind of thing is spoken by somebody that calls himself a prophet and then the offering bucket's going to come out. You know what I mean? Receive me as a prophet and I'll sow into this word by faith and then you get these, the dreams of your heart that I've prophesied to you. You know, it's kind of silly, but it's crooked actually. But what I'm trying to say is that receiving the prophet in the name of a prophet and even in the Old Testament, receiving somebody that's sent of the Lord, if you, if you believe the word of the Lord that comes from them, you'll actually step into it. Yeah. It's really simple, you know. But it's true in, the, in the, the Scripture being the Word of God. If you receive the Word of God in its context and in your, in your relational connection to Him, if you receive it as God speaks it, then you will step into it. You receive the world, reward because you don't see, you're not flippant about it. You know what I'm saying? You actually engage with it by faith. And I think that story, man, in Jeremiah 29 is actually very funny. It's sad, but it's also funny. Because Jeremiah, you know, the... Israel had gone captive to Babylon. Think of it as Babylon all the way through Revelation, representing the systems of this world. You know, the people of God have actually gone the way of the world. Even their religion, the Christian structure, has gone the way of actually of using the the vices of the world to grow their business as if it's a business. And it's just like the people of God end up stepping because their hearts had departed from the Lord into a, what was really a judgment. They had followed after other gods and other things, and they had been taken captive. Now, some of them were still there in Jerusalem, but the vast majority had been taken captive and actually uprooted and moved to Babylon. And Jeremiah, this prophet that was actually real, comes and says, hey, this is a, this is, this is, you've got, we got 70 years to be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, this, this is real. Um, but then a, another prophet shows up in, in Jeremiah 28, and he basically wants to undo what Jeremiah said. And I don't know if he just was a false prophet by nature or if he drank too much caffeine and was really excited, you know, listened to a couple too much Hillsong, got fired up or something, I don't know. But he, he, he shows up and he starts saying, basically, Jeremiah's word is wrong and prophesies to the king, God's coming. It's going to be within two years. God's going to come and slam Babylon and he's going to release us and there's going to be a breakthrough and there's going to be all these things that happen and it's going to open the door for us to go back to where we're called to be. And so um, it sounds like a good word, you know, but Jeremiah, the humility that he had walked in was like, well, hey, maybe God's reversing my word and was cool with it. Like, hey, if that's the word of the Lord, then so be it. Let's, yeah, let's have a breakout party in two years. That'll be great. But he actually went and connected to the Lord because that was his true walk. So he says, okay, well, maybe that's the new word. And then in Jeremiah 29, where we get the, what, you know, the refrigerator scripture, you know what I'm saying, comes, where God actually comes and really reinforced the original prophecy that he had given to Jeremiah. And he's basically saying, hey, 
the word that this guy came and, came and served up wasn't from me. Don't know where it was from, but it wasn't from me. And um, it wasn't from the Lord. And so Jeremiah literally comes, and, he, and, he, and it's this Jeremiah 29, maybe starting in verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive to Babylon. He says, Build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and daughters, that they might bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased and not diminished. As a matter of fact, in verse 7, he says, And seek the peace of the place, the city, where you're actually captive. I want you to flourish and thrive in Babylon. It's like his thoughts and plans for his people, even though that corporately they had, especially because of their leadership, had gone astray and were, in a, were, were subject to this captivity, this, this judgment, so to speak, of what they had followed after. They got where they were going, put it that way. Um, but for the, the heart of the people hadn't changed for, from God. And he's like, I want you to thrive there, to seek peace for that city. I want you to pray to the Lord for the city where you're in. Don't let your prophets and diviners, which is like, you know, divination is prophesying according to another spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. Don't let them deceive you. Don't listen to their dreams. They prophesy falsely in my name and I haven't sent them. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years, the prophecy, of, you know, four chapters back, after those 70 years, I'm going to visit you and I'm going to perform my good word towards you. And then we have verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you future and a hope. Like I have wonderful and brilliant plans for you and I want you to thrive here and now, not just in two years when I'm supposedly going to break you guys out. Amen. And um, he says this in verse 12. I have these thoughts, these plans, these purposes for you, right? But when you understand that, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I'll listen to you. You will seek me, and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. Doesn't that sound like the Hebrews 11 that we just talked about earlier, that I opened up with, that he he's a, rewards those who diligently seek him? And that reward is the heart of the goodness of God, of who he actually is. When you seek him, you receive the prophet's reward, or the, the king's reward, the, Lord, the eternal reward of heaven for seeking him first. Because he's called us to thrive in every sphere and circle of our life. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, speaking of this time of year and summer and all these things, um, the people of Israel, the people that were hearing these things, they were hearing this false revelation, which would, it caused them to remain in a perpetual state of waiting instead of actually truly being where they were. It robbed them from being in the present. It robbed them from seeking to actually thrive and to develop relationships and to like marry and be given in marriage and raise kids and plant vineyards and buy a house and do all these things because they were thinking within a couple years, we're going to be sprung out of this place. And it wasn't true. God wanted them to multiply and thrive in the very place they were at. And I think a lot of times as Christians, people can have this mentality that leaves them frozen, thinking God is going to do something for them. And so they're waiting, sitting on their hands. Can you imagine some of the preppers that were hearing that second word? Just wasting their life away. 
I'm not saying being prepared is not a, is a bad thing, but it really can be if your preparation's rooted in, in poor eschatology and theology and a bad view of God and you're not really connecting to the Lord, you know? Because can you imagine like two years, like, oh man, there's gonna be a revolt. Like I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna buy a bunch of swords and have them stocked up, you know? I'm gonna have a bunch of flint knives to sharpen up these swords for when, when, when it's time to break out. We're, you know, they're not gonna take our weapons from us and, you know, okay. But, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's this mentality of, like, I'm going to start stash all my food. And God's saying, like, hey, like, that's actually not coming. I want you to seek the peace of the place where you're at. I want you to be, you know, remember the, the blessing of Abraham, which is Christianity, was that we would be a blessing to all the world. The, our family would bless the entire world. You know, it was, it was, it's a major redemption, this thing that happened at Pentecost. All the languages that came out. The reversal of the Tower of Babel where all the languages started and the nations were divided according to the sons of God, the false gods, the, the Benai Elohim, you know, Deuteronomy 32 says. And it's like now there's a reversal between all those what Paul calls the principalities and powers that are so territorial and divisive. There's a reversal and it's all the people of the world. It's not Israel. It's everybody coming back under the Father of lights. You know what I'm saying? The children of light. That's us, man. Yeah, man. It's everywhere we go. And as long as we're sitting on our hands waiting for something to come in the future that God's going to do, or maybe it's the judgment of God that's about to pop off, there are thousands of people that literally live around our city in the small towns around our city that waste their life believing something that's not coming. And we can walk by people on a daily basis that can be the very ones we're called to sow life into. But we're so self-focused with, with a view of God that's not accurate that we miss it. We can, be, we can miss actually living in the moment and redeeming time. And it's sad, man. It wears me out, you know. But this false revelation, they were in a perpetual state of waiting, just wasting their life. They were, they were afraid to be established and to commit to life where they were. Golly, the fear of commitment. As if they thought it would jeopardize them from getting to where they were called to be. When in reality, living in the moment and seeking to live the true gospel is what opens the doors to where we're called to be. Yeah. And that's what he was telling them. I'm not limited by where you guys are at. I want you to thrive. I want your families to grow. I want you to meet people and get married. I want you to actually seek my kingdom first. I want you to pray Remain centered in me and pray for the people that are around you to bless this city. Let's transform this before it's time for you to go back. You know, it was this beautiful thing. But the reality is God is now. Like the ancient of days, the, which means the, the one outside of time and space, like the eternal king is now. He's right now. It's not like, oh, you know, yeah, well, you know, they say who waits upon the Lord. You know, it's like, listen, man. That in itself is context of the new covenant of the reality of God that was coming, and it has come 2,000 years ago. So to be tarrying and waiting for an outpouring of the Spirit, oh, we just need another great outpouring, is a lie. And it's an affront to the reality of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago for us. And it's an excuse not to believe and walk in faith and actually be fruitful for the here and now. Because we don't see the relationships and the circles that we find ourselves in as valuable because it's not our platform that we're called to. You know what I mean? 
But the word ministry is a gross word. It's been turned into that. And our ministry is actually knowing the Lord above all things. And actually, it's everywhere we find ourselves. I've given you everywhere you set your foot. That's what he said to Joshua. And that's a prophetic, that's prophetic, man. That's the Lord Jesus. That's Christ within you. It's the very hope of glory. Yeah, the fear of commitment. It's, it's a trap, you know. I loved in Luke 17, something simple Jesus said. Um, <laughs> and the funny thing about Luke 17 is he actually said it to the Pharisees. And if that doesn't give you a weird, you know, if that doesn't make you think something, um, he says this to the Pharisees when they were asking him in Luke 17, 20, um, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Now, we know they were always trying to trick him. They were always trying to trap him into saying things. You know what I'm saying? They were always trying to get him arrested. But in this answer, he says, in Luke 17, 20, he says, they're like, when's the kingdom going? He says, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation, which is to be watching and lying in wait is what the word actually means. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is actually within you. And... Um, we know this like, yeah, well, we're Christians, so yeah, we have the Spirit. So it's like, he's saying this to Pharisees, right? Which, which instantly is going to broaden our scope of the redemptive nature, this reality that, you know, Revelation talks about of Jesus being crucified before the foundations of the earth. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes you think of the Apostle Paul who's actually persecuting Christians. But Jesus, you know, him literally saying, but when it pleased him to reveal his son in me. Kind of like, why are you kicking against the goads, Saul? Your name's going to be changed to Paul, but it's too late. You're already on my team and you don't know it. You know, controversial, but highly biblical and untalked about. Is untalked about a bad way to talk? It might be. But you know what I mean when I said it, right? Not talked about. Not commonly talked about. No? Thanks. My wife giggled at me a little bit. That's all I really needed. That's all I needed right there. If I make her laugh, I'm good to go. Um, but the reality is Jesus is telling this to the Pharisees. Well, when's the kingdom come? He, he breaks something out that says, hey, like it doesn't come with observation. What does that mean? Just like Jeremiah 29 and 28, the deceptive word of the, you know, of the false prophet. And, you know, it's just like, what was the false word? Don't live in the moment. Don't seek to release the goodness of heaven in your life and in your circles and don't put down roots don't be committed to anything but instead wait for a couple years something supernatural is going to happen and come break you out of this thing <laughs> you know what i mean and it's the same thing it doesn't it doesn't come with observation it's it's already in you the kingdom of god is already within you well we need a great outpouring of the spirit for our nation let's have a big worship night and all this stuff not biblical. It doesn't work. I like them. It's fun. But it's, it's not what this thing is about. It's like the kingdom is actually within you. And it's like the movement of the, of the people of God in the nation to transform a city or anywhere else is going to be people believing what actually past tense has actually done. And it's already on the inside. In other words, the reason we don't see it is because we don't actually release it. And it's like there's something to being faithful in our circles and in our spheres. You know what I mean? of knowing the Lord, seeking first the kingdom above all things, but also not walking past the very opportunities that are all around us all the time. That's that Matthew 13, 44, like he sees the, the field. 
with a treasure that's hidden in it. In other words, nobody else can see that that's the treasure, the reality of heaven that's hidden in the field. But in Matthew 13, he says, but you know, he got, the guy goes and sells everything he can to buy the actual field. Keeps it secret himself and goes and buys the field because he sees the value of what's in it. And, and this is the mindset of true Christianity. It's seeing the treasure that's in every single person, every single bit of our spheres that we walk in. This is our actual platform. But also learning to see this way and sow the seeds that he has in us, you know what I'm saying? Of, of the kingdom of light, of the fruits of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit, all these things, there's no limit to it, is also the thing that actually opens the doors of purpose and destiny in our lives. It's, it's like a, I don't really, it's like a video game. You know what I mean? It's just like you, like you walking through, you know, whatever I played as a kid, like Zelda or whatever, you know, and then there's magical little keys and little hearts behind the bush in the, in the screen. Sometimes there's so many things hidden. <laughs> Is that just a lame example? But sometimes there's things hidden in our life in plain sight that when we have the eyes to see, you know what I'm saying? The hope of his calling in the saints. In other words, we're recognizing the hope of Jesus inside of people. Right? Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's what it says, yeah. In other words, we see people as their value and by the testimony of Jesus, we're not just looking for our needs to be met and walking quickly through life. We're actually looking with his heart and releasing heaven everywhere we go. Amen. We're not in fearful uh, um, a life of like, I don't want to be too committed to things because if I do, I, I might miss the big thing that God has for me. And people like that, they go around the same mountain their entire life. You know what I'm saying? I want to get worldly and put roots down because it might be. You know what I'm saying? They go around the same mountain their whole, their whole life, man. You know? And it's crazy. But it's one of those things that sads me. It saddens me. It really does. Eats my lunch a little bit to see time just running past people as they continually wait for God to do something that he's given them the authority to do. You know? And I just hate to see people go around the same cyclical mountains and it's like you're just watching them in this perpetual state of stagnancy and they're just aging and they're not growing. And it's sad. I mean, Christians, good people that I know, in the same place spiritually, year after year, showing little or no fruit, little or no gro or growth in their life, and it really bums me out for them because the reality is the kingdom of God is actually thriving and it is growing. Yes. Always. Yes. And our walk is to be thriving and growing. Like there's something of this Christian maturity, that huios word of Romans 8, that all of the earth, all of creation is groaning for. Not just getting together and being a hyped up religious crew, but actually stepping into a true relational koinonia with him, with, with others that are like-minded and growing in the wholeness that he has for us. You know what I mean? And it called like spiritual maturity, like all of creation is groaning and longing for the sons, the mature sons of God to be revealed on the earth. In other words, like it's, it's actually our problem now. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, Jesus just, oh man, Jesus just come back and fix all this. It's like, no, he's multiplied. Christ within us is the hope of glory. And now it is our problem. But we're empowered to do it. We have the spirit of God within us. We're not, just, we're not just humans anymore. We're Jedis. No, I mean, but you know what I'm saying. We have this, we're a new creation, you know? And, and that's kind of the point of the thing. 2 Peter 1.3 says, He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We're not sitting waiting for Him anymore. The act of obedience 
being faithful, even with the issues of the heart, the connections, following through with the things that he has for us. Those things are growth. The Lord is our shepherd. We follow him, and that's what unlocks the things we're looking for. That's what unlocks the things that we're hoping for, you know, not waiting on them, being faithful to what he's saying, even if what he is saying seems uh, um, oblique to what we're actually hoping to happen. He, it's wax on, wax off, man. It's like he's leading us into the truth, and following him is the key in all things, following him and knowing his voice, you know, you know. He rewards those. I, I know that summer is the, uh, a point, okay? I know that summer is a time when everything kind of slows down and it's a really good thing. It's a good time to rest, but our ultimate purpose in life is to seek first the kingdom, you know, is to know him in all things. And nothing can ever come before that first priority. Again, the Hebrews 11:6. he rewards those who diligently seek him. He has so much good in store for those who simply choose to connect to him. Right? He wants us to know Him. He wants us to experience Him. He actually, it's not like, oh, seek, seek, seek the face and not the hand or whatever that thing. You know what I mean? It's just like, earnestly desire the best gifts is what it says in 1 Corinthians. You know? And it's just like, He wants us to desire to encounter Him because He wants it for us as well. He wants to unlock people's minds. You know? Yeah, it's true. People barely scratch the surface of, he want, of what he wants to bring us into, you know. He wants us to see things like him, and he wants us to actually partner with the things of his heart. And that, my friends, is so exhilarating. It isn't ministry. It's everywhere with no string attached. And it causes us to come to life, you know. It's interesting. It's, 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 it's fun. We, yeah, there's so much more if we're unlimited in our scope with God. You know, the stuff that he's done, you know, the goodness that he's manifested, I, I, just even in my own life, you know what I'm saying? He's never not come through. I've never seen anybody go all in with him and he doesn't come through in their life. It doesn't result in life, growth, maturity, and heaven. I've never seen it not work. But I've, I've seen a lot of one foot in, one foot out, or not going all the way, or kind of keeping some dark things, or like, oh, I'm not ready to let go of that yet. I've seen a lot of that, and I've seen a lot of the mountain circles. You know, and that's fine, because the good shepherd is patient, you know what I'm saying? But it's just like, he, he wants us to, I, I believe he wants to break the grid, the religious grid over our minds that has limited him. There's so much more for us. There's so many things he's allowed he, I mean, he's allowed me to meet, you know, there's things that he wants us to step into that, that we cannot limit him in our relationship because there's, there's just so much more. There's just so much more there. And um, also another point, not only of just seeking him, but being faithful in our spheres. It's just not about ministry. You know, being, being faithful um, and to be, to be present in every circle that we're in, that redeeming the time, even when things kind of seem slow in the earth right now. There are things hidden which are sometimes, sometimes are in plain sight. There are often interactions with people or their attitudes and manifestations of the heart, which the Lord's wanting to, to, um, to address within us in an exchange to actually take on his own heart. These things are often supernatural keys on, that unlock the doors of promotion and advancement into the next phase of life and authority. And you know, when I mean authority, I don't mean like your voice gets louder. 
Um, I actually mean that it results in wholeness. And authority in the spirit translates as power. You know, the type of power that's like you can enforce. You know, it's maybe even a little violent. Not in a negative way. Don't get me twisted on that. You know, but it's forceful. People that have authority to make heaven manifest on the earth. It's a mystical walk, this walk, man. And um, it's a beautiful walk. I'll close that last scripture. It's the same author, well, the Holy Spirit, and also through Paul, but a Colossians 4, 5. It says, to walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. In other words, people that are outside of the understanding that you've stepped into. Walk in wisdom towards those who are, are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. You know, It's something to let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. It's like walking with wisdom, understanding that we're not fishing by you know, shooting a shotgun into the water and making the fish float and scooping them out with a net. That didn't work, no? Um, we're not... I hate to say the word evangelizing, but we're not out to be, you know, to let our words, you know, we're not out to tell people they're going to hell. That's not, you know, that's foolish. Um, or to, to jump into a cannonball and splash our religion all over somebody. But it's to actually walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Don't come in too hot, but let your words be seasoned with salt and with grace that you may know how to answer. In other words, it's like that's in my commentary, be like, hey, learn how to be cool with people. Learn how to value them for who they are and not just come in hot as like I have an objective, you know I must I'm we don't see them as an object of ministry or somebody we can minister to we see them with love with love Which is no string attached that when we're walking around and we're and we're in relationship with people we actually serve them yeah. We come in through actual love not in a, not an abrasive religious, you know pushing things down people's throat We don't want to be those people that every time somebody sees you, are like, oh, here he comes again. He's coming after me. You know people like that. You know what I mean? You hope you're not some people like that. But you know how that, you know how that is. Oh, he's going to tell me about his God and all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? But there's fruit to be born in, in having actual love, actually caring about people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not wanting to just make them uncomfortable or embarrass them in public, you know? There's a time when things get weird, and I understand this. I'm the product of that, to be honest. <laughs> you know? But at the same time, you know, walking with wisdom or circumspect those two scriptures with this heavenly mentality and redeeming time is like, hey, it doesn't really matter. We're kind of on a break right now. It's summer. I'm chilling. I'm just about my life. You know what I'm saying? It's like every time, every bit of time there's opportunity because we'll never have it again. You know, and it's not the opportunity of like, oh, man, this person might be good for my ministry. I might get them to go to my church or something. That is so gross, man. Jesus said, you know, well, Paul said, Jesus said, you know, the apostle said, you know, the, 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 the breathed of the spirit scripture, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, like love doesn't seek its own. You know, when there's no agenda. It's actually to release life and love, the bread of heaven constantly. And man, to be present and connected in such a way with the Lord that we're free to do that everywhere we go. Let this be a summer of faith. You know what I mean? Let this be a summer of advancement and growth for all of us because we're living the Christian life. We're not trying to, you know what I'm saying, promote something or sell something. You know, this is, this is us, you know. Kind of strange, 
But on the way over here, I had to pull over and write something because I felt, I felt that I had a word from the Lord as well for people. Maybe they're here. Maybe you're listening to this. But I felt that there was a call to come out of the wilderness. And I mean that in a self-imposed wilderness of isolation. As I was riding here, it, just, it like really hit me strong to the point I, you know, I just drove off to the side of the road and, and, and got this out and, and wrote it. So it might just be a few people or probably definitely listen to the podcast. Like those who have lived in isolation, if these words, um, especially the Jeremiah 29, you know, people that have been frozen expecting something, people that have been going around the same mountain, whether it's expecting doom and gloom and it's caused them not to connect and not to actually fulfill the purpose and calling of destiny. Time is a construct of this dimension. You know what I'm saying? Redeeming the time is now. We're outside of time. We don't see ages. Me and Vincent's the same age as far as I'm concerned. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like we manifested on the earth. He manifested, you know, 50 years before me, 40 years. Uh, you know what I mean? But, but it, it's, it's of this realm and dimension, you know? What does it say? Um, I believe it's in Peter that to him, the Lord, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day, right? A lot of people have taken that as the seven year thing, you know, but I, I believe what he's simply saying this is time doesn't mean anything to him. He can do in, a, in one day what you would think would take a thousand years. And he's profoundly patient, all the above. It's something that we think. There's so many people that they feel like life has passed them by and it's just one of those things like, hey, no, you're not. You, you, no one is disqualified. Repentance is a change of mind. You know what I'm saying? It's an ability to say, hey, I want to I connect my heart to you again and to your goodness. And I want to walk this life out, even in the practical steps. And give him the opportunity to be your shepherd and just follow his voice. Like what Mary said to the, to the, to the waiters, y'all. That's our game right there. Just do whatever he says. It's all we really have. It's all I have. It's like, just do whatever he says because he wants to lead you in, 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 like, in growth and he wants you to thrive. There's a thing, if we can take an honest, that's what 2 Peter 1 is actually really about. I know I'm, I'm not going to teach that right. You guys are hungry. I can tell a couple of y'all are real hungry today. But, you know, it's like, it's like there's, there's an ability to like look at our life and saying, hey, are the fruit of the Spirit manifest? Is this, is this what my heart is? Am I growing? Am I thriving? Are my relationships, can, am I, can, you know, are they in turmoil? Are they, you know, there, there's practical assessment that we can actually look in our life and see if we're abiding according to the kingdom of heaven, if we're stepping into our true inheritance. And if not, it's, it's not a condemning thing. There's no condemnation in the religion of Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 8, 1 says. It's like the reality is, is like we have the opportunity to have a mindset change to say, okay, it's not, maybe it's not working. Let's go back and let's start. Let's start again. Let's start now. So if you're, if you're those people, you're, you know, maybe you're in a self-imposed wilderness. Maybe you're in isolation. Maybe you're not connected to his body. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you're not walking in your calling and purpose. It's like, hey, do, do yourself a solid. Do the world a solid because you're so very valuable and needed. And choose to listen to his voice. Ask him, what are the practical steps to get in alignment with you? And... Um, and it's time to come out. It's time to come out of that self-imposed wilderness. Siri, time. So, let me just scan these bad boys real quick. These little notes that I have here, just to make sure I've emptied my 
clip. Well, Lord, we do thank you for the reality of, of this kingdom of heaven. This city, this beautiful city that we've seen in Revelation that's literally coming out of heaven into the earth. 